0: Welcome to the Ideas That Change the World podcast with Rabbi Manus Friedman, where we make sure your life will be changed for the better, one idea at a time. Rabbi Friedman is the number one voice of clarity on moral and social issues. So what are we waiting for? Let's go change the world. Let's take a look at a collection of letters going back to the 20s, to the 60s. A collection of letters on one subject... And that is personal troubled lives, confusion, despair, emotional problems, people overwhelmed by the difficulties of life. And let's see how the Rebbe guides the perplexed. When we open the book on the Rebbe's letters and start to read through them, notice a few things. Notice, first of all, where the letter to which the Rebbe is responding, where these letters came from. Notice also, of course, the names are not included in the printed editions. Notice whether it's a mister, a rabbi, a missus, a Miss. Notice also the date. And then as we go through the letters, we'll stop and examine certain unspoken, unwritten letters details, historic, factual, and personal. Let's begin with a letter dated 5712, 1952. And this is to Mr. So-and-so from Manchester, England. Deborah writes as follows. I duly received your letter, but this is the first opportunity I've had to answer it. Should you have any further news in the meantime, you'll no doubt let me know. The Rebbe says, This is the first opportunity I've had to answer it. The Rebbe received tons of mail, and the Rebbe answered letters according to their first-come, first-served basis. And so when in uh, very busy times, like during Tov, when the Rebbe couldn't answer letters, the responses were delayed but then eventually were answered according to the way they were received. There were, of course, exceptions. Letters that were urgent were given priority. Letters that affected large communities were given priority. But other than those exceptions, the letters were answered as they were received. And so, inevitably, there would be some delays in the answer getting to the writer. Now, the content of the letter itself. The Rebbe writes, You seem to be disturbed because you feel that you have not achieved the proper level in Torah and mitzvahs and cannot see yourself getting anywhere which makes you feel downhearted. Leaving the details of your complaints aside, I wish to make several observations. Number one. A feeling of dissatisfaction with oneself is a good sign it indicates vitality and an urge to rise and improve oneself, which involves two parts, withdrawal from the present state and turning to a higher level. The Rebbe says, Study this, the talk of my father-in-law of sainted memory from Pesach of 5694. Number two, if the urge to improve oneself leads to downheartedness and inertia, This, then, is the work of the Yetzirah, of the evil inclination, whose job is to use every means to prevent the Jew from carrying out his good intentions connected with Torah and mitzvahs. The false and misleading voice of the evil inclination should be stifled and ignored. Besides, as the author of Tanya states in chapter 25, even one single good deed creates an everlasting bond and communion with God. Thus, a feeling of despondency is not only out of place, but it's a stumbling block in the worship of God, as is more fully explained in the above and subsequent chapters of Tanya. Point number three. With regard to understanding or lack of understanding of the tachlis, of the bottom line, The important thing required of a Jew is contained in the words of Torah, for the thing is very close to you in your mouth and heart. And what is the bottom line? To do. Understanding is generally the second step. The first step is the practice of the mitzvah. My prayerful wish to you as I conclude my letter is that the next one coming from you will be more cheerful. We have here the basis, the the fundamentals, not only of morality, but also of mental and emotional well-being. The Rebbe says, leaving the details of your complaints aside, I wish to make several observations. This is not always the case. The Rebbe often does respond to the details of the complaint. In this case, the Rebbe says, leaving the details of your complaints aside. Obviously, the Rebbe had sensed that the details of the complaints are not the issue, that there's an underlying problem that is not related to the details, but to a general orientation, to a general mindset that was creating the problem. And to correct that mindset, the Rebbe makes three points. Point number one, it's not terrible to feel that you're getting nowhere. That can be used as a positive motivation, as a positive compulsion to become better, to do more, and to grow. And so complaining that you feel that you're not adequate is not really a complaint at all. No one should feel that they're really adequate. We should always feel a need Not only a desire, but a need to become better. And to become better is composed of two parts. You have to withdraw from the present state and turn to a higher level. Withdrawing from the present state means rejecting the present state, being unhappy with it, being dissatisfied with it. And only then can you really turn to a higher level and attain a higher level because the lower level is simply not acceptable anymore. And so this feeling of dissatisfaction is the first step in this two-part effort of becoming better, of growing, of getting closer to God. Number two, when the urge to improve yourself leads to downheartedness and inertia, this is coming from a Yetzirah, which means as follows. There's an evil inclination. God created within us an evil inclination whose job it is to interfere, to present an alternative to goodness, to present a distraction to holiness, and the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, is always at work. But when does the evil inclination have its greatest opportunity to do its job? Obviously, when a person is in a transition when a person needs to make decisions and choices, when there's a crossroad. Now, the crossroad is there in order to lead a person to a higher level. But this is also an opportunity for the Yetzirah to interfere with growth and progress. The ever once used the analogy when a person is climbing a ladder and he's getting higher, he's getting closer to his goal, yet every time he raises his foot to go from the lower rung to the higher rung, he finds himself standing on one foot for a moment, which can be very disheartening, very discouraging, frightening. The person at that moment can feel that he's losing ground, that he has become less secure, that he is not sure of where he stands, which is true. He's not sure where he stands because he rejected the lower rung in favor of the higher one. Here, the Sahara has a great opportunity to come along and say, What are you doing? You're endangering your life. You're making things worse. Stay where you are. Stay secure on the rung which you've already achieved. And don't risk going up to the higher level. And so the Sahara takes advantage of the feeling of dissatisfaction, even while the feeling of dissatisfaction is a holy and good thing. And therefore, the Rebbe's advice is, what do you do to the Sahara? You stifle and ignore. Particularly, that Rebbe says, when the Sahara says you've achieved nothing, which is obviously not true because even one good deed is an eternal bond with God, an everlasting bond, how can that be nothing? And so the Yitzhahara is obviously misrepresenting. The Yitzhahara is not giving you an honest and true picture, and therefore the only thing to do is to ignore. The third thing, When the person says he feels like he doesn't know what the bottom line is, he's thought himself into a trap. He's got too many ideas going on and now he doesn't know which one of those ideas is the final goal, is the bottom line. What is the tachlis? So the Rebbe says very simply, understanding is only the second step. The first step is the practice of the mitzvah. The bottom line is, Did you do it? Did you get it done? Well said is fine, but well done is the tachos. And so there need be no confusion as to what the ultimate goal is and what the bottom line is, to do the mitzvah. And then the Debbe becomes a little more personal and says, next time you send me a letter, I hope it will be more cheerful. The Debbe gets right down to business. I've suggested, I've explained, I've encouraged, but now, bottom line, tachlis, I expect the next letter to be more cheerful. We're not just talking. As the Rebbe says, idle talk simply means words that were not effective. If you talk and nothing comes of it, that's called idle talk. The Rebbe wants results, the Rebbe wants tachlis, and ends the letter by saying the next letter should be more cheerful. That's a demand in gentle terms. But let's compare this letter to the next letter in this collection. This one is dated 5724, which is 1964. And this is to Mr. So-and-so, New York, New York. Here the Rebbe writes as follows. I'm in receipt of your recent letters in reply to my letter to you. You go into a lengthy discussion as to what should be one's way in life, etc., and that your way in life is perhaps other than the one I indicated in my letter. With all due respect, and after carefully reading your letters, I must again repeat very briefly what I wrote previously, and which apparently has not had the expected impact. One of the main points is that discussion and speculation may be in order where there is no emergency. But where there is an emergency, speculation must be set aside. It is a time for action. Another important point for you to bear in mind is that when it comes to a choice between speculation and action, there is no doubt as to where the real accomplishment lies. Your own experience is proof of this. When you were actively engaged in the field of education, teaching Jewish children the high values of a Jewish way of life, I am certain that you can point to some tangible results. And although you apparently consider this activity to be negligible, the fact is that in the view of Torah, he who saves a soul is deemed to have saved a whole world. While I don't know your pupils and cannot evaluate exactly the benefits which you bestowed on them, I am quite certain that you did bestow considerable benefits, benefits which will in due course be greatly multiplied and increased since the education of young children is like the care given to seedlings or young plants. On the other hand, during the years which have elapsed since you gave up that activity, while occupying your mind with some very lofty thoughts about bringing peace and happiness to the world at large, I doubt whether you can point to any single individual who has yet been helped by these contemplations. I trust you will forgive me for saying that you're not only skipping on two thresholds, or as the more common expression, dancing at two weddings at the same time, but you're wavering between many influences and are confused. If you wish to listen to my advice, you should at least for a few months give up all this speculation and contemplation. Devote yourself to practical activity on the lines indicated above, even though you consider it trivial. I'm certain, knowing your capacities, that you will succeed in your educational work in bringing Jewish children closer to the way of Torah, which is called a Torah of life. And thus, after giving your mind a rest for about half a year or so, from all the mental strain which you call contemplation, you will be able to make up your mind more objectively and more deeply as to what your way of life should be. From the letter, we can assume that the writer says that whatever advice that Ebba had given him in previous letters really didn't apply to him because he has a different lifestyle. This is not his way. In this letter, that Ebba says to him, basically, you don't know what your way in life is. You're confused. Look at what's happening. You used to be a teacher where you accomplished things, where you had something to show at the end of the day. You gave that up, And you're philosophizing, you're speculating, you're busy with mental activity that leads nowhere. You have nothing to show for all of this activity. And that's why you're confused and you don't know what your way in life is. And the Rebbe's advice is, go back to something practical. Do something you're good at. Achieve something tangible day by day. And then after a half a year of that, then you'll know what your true way in life is because then you'll be thinking clearly. There's no way that Ebba could say this to a person without really getting into that person's mind and heart. The similarity, the theme that we can find in these two letters is that Ebba's emphasis on the Important of action, that the doing is the main thing, and that speculation or theory or even understanding comes only as a second step, and then it's a healthy step. But if it is the priority, if the theory is the priority, then the theory itself is not healthy and will lead nowhere, and you'll have nothing to show at the end. Moving right on, the third letter in this collection, 5725, 1965, this is to a Mr. So-and-so in Germistown, Transvaal, South Africa. The writes as follows. Your letter has only reached me after a considerable delay. In it, you write about a number of problems, though in reality... They come under the category of questions or points of information. Needless to say, a letter is not the proper medium to deal with questions that require lengthy explanation, explanations that must be couched in terms fitting to the knowledge and background of the inquirer. In any case, there's no need to depend on correspondence, inasmuch as you undoubtedly have personal access to rabbis in your vicinity who can explain the answers to these questions orally And if you wish to pursue these matters further, they can indicate to you the proper sources and written material. Perhaps you use the term problem because you are perplexed as to, in your words, how to go on. In that case, there is one general answer that applies to all similar situations. The end of the matter, quote from Kohelis, The end of the matter is the fear of God to observe his commandments, for this is the whole of man. There's one way for a Jew to go on, to live his daily life in full accord with Torah and Mitzvahs as formulated in detail in the Code of Jewish Law, to do so with a wholehearted and perfect faith in the one God, the Creator and Master of the world. And in this way, everyone can attain his soul's fulfillment. The above is also the answer to your question. What is it all about? In the above-mentioned verse, the wisest of all men, King Solomon, has answered it. Our sages of blessed memory elaborated on it. And in the Mishnah, they express it simply. I was created for the purpose of serving my Maker. In another place, they declare, God desired to have an abode among the nether creatures in the lower world which is this material world, rather than in heaven. This is fulfilled through our study of the Torah and the fulfillment of the mitzvahs. This is how we serve our Maker and fulfill our purpose in life. In light of the above, you will also find an answer to your question as to how to control thoughts and what thoughts to admit. The guidelines are provided by the Shulchan Aruch, the Code of Jewish Law, which also teaches us how to control thoughts. All thoughts that are in harmony with the above-mentioned purpose, encouraging and stimulating the attainment of that purpose, those thoughts are welcome. All others should be regarded as a test of one's love and devotion. They are inspired by the evil inclination whose purpose is to tempt and distract from the true purpose. It is up to the individual and within his power to oppose and overcome the evil inclination. I trust you observe the three daily shiurim, study of three daily portions of the Chumash, of the Tehillim, and of the Tanya. And may God grant that you will have good news to report. In considering this letter, we find a number of things. Number one, that Rebbe says a letter is not the appropriate medium to deal with philosophical questions, particularly since they have to be couched in terms that are fitting to the knowledge and background of the Inquirer. That Rebbe is saying, I'm not sure what your knowledge and background is, and therefore it would be difficult to give you the proper answer. So when there is a lack of soul connection, so to speak, then the Rebbe has to take a more general approach. Second thing we find is that The Rebbe doesn't set himself up as the only source, the exclusive source of information and inspiration. He encourages taking advantage of the resources available in every community, the rabbis, the teachers, with whom you can study one-on-one. Then the Rebbe says, concerning the problem itself, the question of how to go on, the Rebbe's answer is, quoting from Kohelis, the end of the matter is the fear of God to observe his commandments. This is what man is all about. In other words, the is saying to him, the problem you have of not knowing how to go on is because you don't see the goal. You don't see the bottom line. You don't see where you need to end up and so you're confused about how to get there, since you don't know where it is you're going. The simple solution to that is, be clear about where you're going. Where are we going? To serve God, to observe his commandments, but because this is the whole purpose of man. By doing so, we fulfill the purpose for which our soul came into this world. And fulfilling the soul can certainly give a feeling of satisfaction and of peace of mind, even if other needs are not fulfilled. And so when the person, the writer, asks, what is it all about? The Rebbe says, it's all about serving God. I was created to serve my Maker. How do we serve our Maker? The Rebbe has another quote. God desired an abode, a dwelling, a home in the lower world. And in order to create that home for God in the lower world, we practice and fulfill the uh, Torah's instructions by doing the mitzvahs. So we are here to serve God. How do we serve God by making this world a home for him? How do we make the world a home for him? By doing mitzvahs. Then the Rebbe says, concerning your question of how to control thoughts, this follows right along with the theme. How do you control your thoughts? Well first you have to distinguish. You have to be able to identify an acceptable thought from a non-acceptable, a desirable thought from an undesirable. Well, what makes one thought desirable and another undesirable? Once you have your goal, once you know where you need to go, you know where you need to be, then You choose those thoughts that help you get there, and you reject those thoughts that don't help. So once you're clear about your goal, once you know why you exist, then it is easy to recognize the thoughts that are inappropriate and undesirable. All the other thoughts are simply tests. Due to the Yetzirahara that presents a challenge in serving God, so that the service is more real, deeper, more personal, more true. We'll notice that the Rebbe's letters are permeated with two major general beliefs. One is the belief in divine providence, and the other is the belief in the capacity of the writer. Divine providence means that everything that happens to a person happens for a positive reason. Everything leads upwards. Every event, every experience, every problem is meant to move us upwards, forward, in the purpose of creation. Divine providence never fails. There are no exceptions. The world moves only in one direction, and that is the direction in which God wants it to go. And so every event should be seen in that light, never as a detour, never as an interruption of God's plan. That's because God's divine providence is perfect, because God is great, because God is omnipotent, and nothing can go wrong in his plan. That's one part of the Debe's faith. The other part of the Debe's faith is, as the Debe says in this letter, surely, you are capable of overcoming your Sahara. There's a trust, there's a belief, there's a respect that the Rebbe has for the writer. That they have the ability, they have the capacity, they have what they need to accomplish and to succeed in any challenge that God puts to them. In some cases, the Rebbe actually says, and we'll see this in in future letters and further in the letters further on. Judebis says, if God gives you that difficult a challenge, you should take it as a great compliment because God challenges only those who God is confident are capable of rising to the challenge and of passing the test and of accomplishing great things.